0: But today we're focusing in on chapter two. And, and, and you can, if you're taking notes, you can write down these words, uh, the empty life or the emptied life. Are you living the empty life or the emptied life? And in Philippians chapter two, um, just kind of a quick overview. There's so much in this one chapter, so much in this book. But in this one chapter we, we see uh, in the beginning uh, just this gospel plan. We'll start reading uh, God, uh, verse One of chapter two. It says, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, uh, in other words, Paul is writing to the church, he's saying this, have any of you been transformed by the love of Jesus Christ? In this room, how many of you have been transformed by Jesus Christ, by the good news, the gospel? So Paul's writing "said have you been transformed? Then here's what I'm talking to you, church. Paul's saying, complete my joy by being full of the same mind, having the same love being in full accord and of one mind, being in unity. Verse 3, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And then we see the the humble example of Jesus. Paul's going to write here and he says, have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus. Here's the thing, what we're gonna read about who our savior is, Paul is letting us know we have the ability to follow the example of Jesus, that Jesus has given us this ability. And here we go, who, this speaking of Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. Verse 8. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God... Now we're going to see the glorious exaltation of Jesus. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. You know, you and I, we have a decision today, and it's will we, like the Church of In Philippi, Paul's writing and he's asking them, will you live a life poured out, a life emptied, a life that is more about others than about yourself? We have this decision. It's the same choice in 2018, right? God's coming. He's saying, what kind of life will you live? And, and, And Paul writes, he says, hey, don't do anything from selfish ambition or empty conceit. It actually means this word empty conceit, it's it's a state of pride which is without basis or justification. It's an empty pride, a cheap pride, or a vain pride. For example, just go to the gym and walk in the weight room and you will see empty pride. (laughs) You ever seen those people that you, you look at them in the gym? Then there's confession, you're all like, we don't go to the gym, okay. <laughs> you ever seen that person in the gym that you never see them actually work out? They just walk around and they're like, Phew, it's been a tough one today. Sweat, you, it's so much sweat, you can't even see it. It just, just looks like it's everywhere, right? And you're like, what? First, first service, I, I withheld the name, but second service, I got permission to not withhold the name. Uh, my brother Johnny used to go to the gym with me. He still works out a lot, so all the first stairs people are like, oh, you know he's going so thirteen year go to thirteen year old Johnny going with his older sister to the gym, and uh, Johnny um, was working on fitness at this time and uh, and so he would turn on the treadmill and he would hop to the side and he would have the treadmill going at a very high speed if you 've ever used a treadmill uh, You don't actually have to run. It just has to look like, the treadmill just has to go to track your distance. So he'd go really fast while standing there letting the treadmill go so it'd work up and then he'd hop on at a slower speed and people would be like, wow, you ran five miles? Like, it's been a tough one. (laughs) Paul says, don't. Don't do anything out of conceit, out of empty pride. Like, we're walking around sometimes, you know, amongst one another, and we're like, I'm too good to do that. We got empty pride. You're like, you're not too good to do that? I'm tasting your casserole. It's nasty. You're not too good to go to the cooking class? Do nothing. I'm just kidding. You can bless me with your casserole. No, Paul says, listen, church, if God has changed you, If he's done anything in your life, then be of one mind, be in unity, work together for a common goal, work together, have the mind that Jesus had, doing nothing from selfish ambition, doing nothing to please just yourself, but live a life poured out. This is the same choice we have. C.S. Lewis said this, as long as you are proud, you cannot know God. For a proud man is always looking down on thing and people. And of course, as long as you are looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. I told the first service, just read C.S. Lewis if you need to sound smart. But God has given us the example. Jesus came and he made a decision to pour out his life to show us that there was nothing that was beneath him. To come and choose a life to say, here's the example, and here is the life I've called you and I, that he's called us to live. A life poured out. A life completely surrendered to him. And then we go on in verse 12, and Paul now shifts. And so he tells us, what are we to do together as a church, unified? And he hones in on the individual, and he says, therefore... He shows us a way to live the gospel life every day. He says, therefore, my beloved, verse 12, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling and disputing. Pray that over your teenagers. Thank you, Jesus that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. We go on and we see Paul talks about that his life would be poured out and then he gives us the example of two other lives that lived sacrificially, servant lives, Paphroditus and Timothy. So how do we live this empty life, a life poured out, a life giving to one another? I'm going to share a personal story. A few weeks ago, uh, Johnny had inspired a group of us. He actually now runs for real, not just turning on the treadmill uh, vainly. So the man, uh, he, 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 he called the troops to, to run. And so uh, my husband Riley and Johnny, they ra- ran a half marathon, and there was about 10 of us that did a 5K, which is substantially less than a half marathon. But I had this thing. Uh, I, I decided yes, I'll sign up for the 5K. And uh, I, I'm, I'm like three months past having a baby, so I had one goal. I knew I wasn't gonna have the best time. I might not be the fastest runner. Probably not gonna get a gold medal at the end or a star. But here is my goal: run the race the whole time. Like you might be slow. You probably could speed walk faster than me. All of you who speed walk at the mall, you would have beat me. But but I, I was my goal was not jog the whole time do not stop do not pass go collect $200 whatever and so that was my goal just don't stop so I start the race and uh, here I am I'm just doing my thing going slow but I'm not stopping I'm not going to walk at all and early on in the race there's this guy and he, in the 5k and so he all of a sudden jogs past me faster I'm like cool you go dude and uh And and, and a little bit later, I just keep doing my thing, and and he's walking, and I pass him. Like, a couple minutes later, I'm still doing my slow jog, and here comes Mr. Speedman, and he runs past me. And so now I'm like, well, you might beat me, but you didn't birth a baby three months ago, so eat that. So pretty soon, this is going on the whole race. I I keep jogging at my normal speed, and he keeps suddenly speeding past me, and within minutes is walking out of breath. I figure something out. I think I'm the goal. I think as long as he beats me, he feels good about himself. So this is his mission. I have become the slow runner that he's trying to beat. I get you, right? So now the, the finish line is you go over this bridge up and you come down the bridge and you hit the finish line. So I start approaching this bridge knowing I am almost there. Never stop to walk. And as I'm going, now I'm this man runs past me like his pants are on fire. Like like he forgot, he didn't get the memo that it wasn't a hundred meter dash. He starts running, I mean like ferociously, awkwardly fast. And I'm like, he's trying to beat the woman that had a baby three months ago. And so this guy starts speeding. I'm about to be like, bravo, you beat me. And then I come over the bridge. And about 50 yards from the finish line, I find Mr. Firepants on the side of the bridge. He looks over one side. He comes to look over the other side, 50 yards from the finish line. And he shoves his head through the bars and is puking his guts out over the bridge. And here's where I came, right past him to the finish line. I beat that man. Come on. If that man would have just ran his race, not been so full of empty pride or trying to beat me and just ran in his lane, he would have far surpassed me, probably a mile and a half ago. But he got so sidetracked, looking to the right and to the left, trying to beat me that he actually lost his own race. And you know, the thing is, is that for you and I, we are not running just an ordinary race. We are running a relay race a race that requires us to walk in unity and as a team. We're gonna watch a clip really quick of a relay race. You can clap, that's not good running. That's what we all wanna look like after Thanksgiving, right? We're running a relay race, not just our own race. You know they say that in a relay, a four man relay, that there can actually be teams that the four individual men are better sprinters on any given race they can beat the other team, the other guys, but they will actually lose the race because the other team is a better team. Because the other four runners know how to run their leg of the race, to walk in unity, to pass the baton with perfect precision and working together. You see our faith and our walk together church can never truly reach its full capacity and we will never fully reach the fullness of what God has until we stop trying to run just our own race and run the race that God has put us on together. That, see, Paul was telling the church of Philippians right off the bat, if you've been changed by Jesus, you guys got to get it together, together. You got to work it out. We actually know if you fast forward to chapter four, there's two ladies who seem to be key leaders in the church, and Paul's trying to help restore their relationship because there was some brokenness. And you see, our ability to reach what God has called us to do in Medford, Oregon, and in Joy Church, and in the kingdom of God, requires that we run the race together in unity, that we recognize we are a team, and that our success is connected to the others succeeding beside us. But the second reality is this, is that the strength of the unified team is found in the discipline of each individual. The strength of the unified team is found in the discipline of each individual. You know, we see in in that video that all four men have to personally give energy to becoming the best athletes they can be so they can become the best team they can be. And Paul writes in Philippians 2 he says, to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He takes it, he makes it personal. He tells us to walk in unity, to walk in love, to follow the example of Jesus. But then he shines the light on us as individuals. He says, hey, each one of you personally work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Take heed to yourself, personally grow. And you know what, the power of the church, the the, the power of the church is found when each individual takes heed to himself and begins to grow personally in our walk with Jesus. And then we come together in unity, that is where power happens. The Bible says in Psalms 133 that where the where you the brothers dwell together in unity, that's where God commands a blessing. And there is power in the church when each of us say, I'm taking heed. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to watch my walk. I'm going to get into the word of God. I'm going to allow God's word to live in me and change my journey. Because when each of us come and recognize that I want to cheer the next person on, that they would grow in their walk with Jesus. Because as they grow, it actually helps me grow. Have you found this very frustrating reality? Is that God oftentimes makes our growth have to be connected to community. Everyone is perfectly unselfish. they're all alone right you're like man there's perfect unity in my home how many people live there just me (laughs) right have you found that God makes often our growth have to be connected in walking in one in love with one another Right? Making us journey together. That It's in community that God grows us and shapes us. Everybody's a great servant until you are the one called upon to unclog the toilet. Right? Everyone is is so caring and sharing when you have your own pumpkin pie. But watch out how sharing you are when there's one slice and four of you this Thursday. You're like, you don't need those calories. I'll take them for you are you with me listen each one of us have to run our race so that we can all win the race together are we personally growing in our journey are we taking heed are we working out our salvation with fear and trembling Are you guys okay church you know the thing is is it's easy to say i'm walking in unity and i love everyone in this room but do you know when unity is truly revealed is when it's tested, is when you, you don't really know the strength of a relationship until the opportunity to walk away is there and you say, no way, Jose, I'm going to fight this out. And Paul's writing and he's saying, come on, don't, don't do anything out of selfish ambition or empty conceit. Fight for unity. You know, my, my dad, he, he's coined this phrase is that we will fight for peace. And as a family, that's something we, we might hash it out till 2 a.m., but we're not leaving until we leave with a hug and we're on the same page and we're working it out. And that's the spirit Paul wanted in the church that, that Jesus wants for his church. That he's saying that we, we sit here, and we don't we don't walk away. We don't leave our marriages behind. We don't leave our, our fellow believers behind. We don't just say, see you, small group. Are you guys with me? But in unity, we say we're here to fight it out, to work it out, because our ultimate goal is to look like Jesus and he's working in all of us so we're gonna keep warring for peace and unity and love. Amen? There's way less amens than there should be for that. So here's as we land this plane and the piano AKA my mom comes up. You see the living the emptied life is a choice. It's a decision, Jesus chose, says he emptied himself. And you and I have to choose, you know, we can't live off of yesterday's obedience. We can't live off of yesterday, I said, God, I'm all in. I'll I'll give my life, I'll live with joy and generosity. And that's gotta count for today. But the reality is Jesus said that daily we're to pick up our cross and follow him. Daily we're to make a decision to live a life poured out. Daily we choose to say, God, I humble myself before you. And I need you to help me to look like you, to live the empty life. And how do we do this? How do we live a life emptied? It's by keeping our eyes on the perfect example, keeping our eyes on our beautiful Savior, Jesus, who he never asked us to do something he never did. If you feel like you've outgiven, well, i just given everything I can give. Jesus came and said, no, there's more to be given. He gave everything. He gave his life on the cross. He gave up the divine privileges of heaven. He gave up the most beautiful uh, everything. and, And he came and he said, I'm here to be a servant and he led the way and he says follow me. You see in the relay race the only way they will succeed is when their eyes are forward not drifting to the right or to the left and the only way we will succeed in the mission of Christ is when our eyes are not on our problems, when our eyes are not on other people but when our eyes are on Jesus and his perfect example and we run after him it says in Hebrews 12:1. That therefore there is, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Keep looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Despising the shame and his seat in the right hand of the throne of God. How do we live an emptied life? It's looking to Jesus, our beautiful savior. Paul kept coming back to the Philippian church, to Jesus, to the gospel, and knowing that as we keep our eyes on him, that he who began a good work in us is faithful to complete it. He's doing a good work. Are you guys okay? Maybe you're here and you look at your life and what God's asking what Jesus is asking each of us to do. And you may say, God, I don't understand the work you're doing in me. I'm not quite where you want me to be yet. And I think C.S. Lewis, he, he summed it up really well. He said, imagine yourself as a living house. And God comes in to rebuild that house. And at first, perhaps you can understand what he is doing. He is getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. And you knew that these jobs needed doing, and so you are not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts. Anybody feel that? You know? It hurts. And I lost my spot. It doesn't seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? And the explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. See, you thought you were being made into a decent little cottage, but he is building a palace and he intends to come and live in it himself. God's building a church and a people that look very much different than what the world says. He's building a palace. He's building a people whose lives look like him, whose lives model the love and the sacrifice that our Savior showed us. He's building a palace that he wants to live in. And the final thing that today, Thomas Akimpus said this, let this be thy whole endeavor, this thy prayer. This thy desire, that thou mayest be stripped of all selfishness and with entire simplicity follow Jesus only. Church, would you bow your head and close your eyes? If you came to this place, every week people come to this place looking for life, looking for a relationship with God. And we have a God who came, who laid down the the beauty of heaven and the divine privileges and he emptied his life and he came as a servant and he walked the dusty roads and was tempted in all ways yet without sin and willingly laid his life down to take our place. He took the payment for our sin and our shame and he made a way for us to have life and salvation. The Bible says that all who call in the name of the Lord will be saved. That if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and confess with your mouth that he will save us. And so if you came to this place and you say, Natalie, I need Jesus to save me. I can't clean my own life. I, I'm lost without him. I need Jesus to rescue me. I am putting my trust in him and him alone. If that's you tonight, this morning, would you just raise your hand? Everybody across this, this room, I see that hand. Every every person here that says, I need Jesus to save me. Just lift your hand, I see that hand. Every person that came saying, Jesus, I need you to rescue me, I need you to save me. Just lift your hand so we can see every person here that's saying, Jesus, would you save me, would you rescue me? I see that hand, awesome, hands going up. Anyone else here, you say, Jesus. I surrender my life to you. I need you to save me. For the rest of us, we're gonna all just pray this prayer together, church. With every person that's here this day, I wanna receive Jesus. Let's all pray together. Dear Jesus, I put my trust in you, that you alone can save me. You alone can give me life and hope. I receive your payment, the payment for my sin. I receive your life. Help me to follow you all the days of my life. I want to follow your example and live a life poured out. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, can we just give the Lord a shout? For the rest of us, if we'd stand to our feet and if you're here and you say, Natalie, I want to be, I want to be a a, a community and a people and a person, an individual who lives an empty life, who walks in unity, who walks in love and runs the race that God has set before me. If that's your prayer this morning, just lift your hands. And as a church community, we're going to pray and just ask the Lord to help us. Help us to live a life surrendered, a life poured out devoted to him. Jesus, we thank you that you gave us the perfect example. Jesus, you showed us what it meant to live a life empty, a life poured out, a life that makes an eternal impact. And God, we pray that as a church that each one of us would work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, that we would take heed and we would grow as followers of you. But Lord, we also pray that we would walk in unity, that we would, Lord, live lives Lord, poured out for one another, that we would run this race together. We'd recognize we're not alone, but we together get to be partners in the good news of you spreading your love to the world around us. Help us, God, to live a life poured out, a life that looks like you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen.